one verse, and uh, I'm going to ask you can remain seated this morning. He says about this man Demas, he, Paul speaking here, and, uh, and really he's talking about good friends in life. And so when he sees these good friends in life, uh, he then comes to this verse. And in verse 9 he said, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. So he's speaking, uh, asking for folks to, to come up alongside him here. But he goes on and he says in verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me. That's a pretty heavy word, isn't it? Demas hath forsaken me. Now notice why he forsook him. Having loved this present world. Demas left his side or abandoned Paul because of his love for this world. And here's what he said. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica. And then he mentions a few others here. He said, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Demacia. He wasn't saying that Cretans and Titus had forsaken him, but only that Demas had. And Demas had forsaken him. Now, we are shown a man, Demas, who left the ministry and left the side of a godly man, Paul, in the work of the Lord, and it clearly tells us because of his love for this present world. <laughs> That's why he abandoned Paul. And so as believers, it's not wrong to make a living, and I don't think that's what they were talking about here. It wasn't wrong to try to go make a living, but to be in love with this present world goes beyond making a living, but living a life for the love and the ways of this world. And so we fall in love with the ways of the world. And so I believe when he's speaking of Demas here, and you look at the details of his life, he was more concerned about worldly things than he was about spiritual things. And it caused him to walk away from the Lord. Now we know Christ love the world. We see it in the scriptures, right? For God so loved the what? World. world. Now, when Christ loved the world, he loved the world because of the lost souls of men and women. Not that Jesus Christ was in love with the world for what it's doing or its philosophy. So it's a very different thing when it says, and Christ so loved the, you know, he loved the world for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Paul falling in love with this present world are two different things. Demas fell in love with this present world, and Paul addressing that about him, Demas's love for this world was not for the souls of men and women. It was for the things that this world offered him. <laughs> and he went back into it. And so it's a different philosophy. And, and Jesus is concerned about the condition of the soul, and Demas was concerned about the things of this world, those possessions, those worldly things. And so we're going to see that the love of Christ has for this world and the love that Demas had for this world, they're very contrary to one another, very different to one another. And I challenged my own heart as I went through this, is my love for this present world stronger than my love of Christ? It's kind of funny this morning, Jim and I were just in the room and I was talking to him about just some things and, and, and he, not I, he brought this up. <laughs> and I thought, it's like the Lord confirming, yeah, you're on the right track this morning. <laughs> And Jim, just in the concourse of our conversation in there before we prayed together, he brought some things up, and he was just talking about how people are drawn away by the things of this world, and that the things of this world have their attention more than Christ has our attention. How many of you know he's coming back again, amen? He's going to get our attention one day, isn't he? <laughs> it's going to be a wake-up call to many of us. And, and, and here I ask myself this question, and I challenge you with this same thought, is my love for this present world stronger than my love of Christ. So Paul had been forsaken by Demas. That's a harsh word, isn't it? He'd been forsaken by him. And, or if you will, he was abandoned by this man. And you look at that, it's a heavy word for the ways of this world. So here's the thing that I caution us with. Be cautious that we do not fall prey to doing the same thing with our faith and our love with Christ. See, we can fall in love with this present world so much and we don't even realize how it's diminishing our faith in Christ because we have such a strong love for the world. Now, Demas was a man who allowed his passion for this life to overcome uh, and, and overcome him. And, and then we find uh, a path of how to avoid this type of life. And so I decided when I looked at this and I thought, well, if he was in love with this present world, how can you and I then avoid that? As believers, how can we avoid that now? Not just that uh, I stand up here and tell you, 
don't fall in love with this present world, but how do you avoid doing that? Because listen, every one of us in here could fall prey to that tomorrow. <laughs> and our faith could diminish to the point where things of this world matter more to us than our faith in Christ Jesus. So I challenge us this morning with three areas. One is this love for this present world. And then I want to talk to you about the pollutions of this world. And then I want to tell you about how to avoid the love for this world. Not in the sense of people. That's not what I'm talking about. But in the sense of I'm living my life for stuff. Which is what Demas ended up doing with his life. Now I challenge you for this today. As we look at this, we can easily fall into this trap of being in love with this world and all that it has to offer. It's not necessarily a, a cliff, but I think it's a slow decline. I think there's a slow declension from where we start to where we end up sometimes. Because how many of you are fully aware of people that were maybe really full of faith and excited and joyful and uh, invested in the work of the Lord and uh, maybe giving of themselves and having full-time jobs and being in all the services and choosing to share uh, what they own and they possess with other people and reaching out to folks and sharing the gospel with people, maybe teaching a Sunday school class, maybe singing in a choir or leading music or doing those things, and all of a sudden they have just disappeared. And I don't think it's off a cliff. I think it's a slow declension. <laughs> The slow decline, because we can see it in Demas' life. It's slowly pulling back, and I, I don't really need to do that. Let someone else do that. And then it's just one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, till then I can get myself to a place where it's unnecessary to even serve. And then I then choose what services I want to be in and only show up for those that I choose to want to be there for. And, and it gets to that place where it's just a slow declension. It's not a falling off of the cliff. <laughs> it's just a slowly pulling away from those things that are important. Now, as I share that with you, think about our affinity, even as believers, for the things of this world or the value that we place upon it, above that of which spiritual things are. And sometimes you would say, no, I don't do that, but I think we do. I think even as believers, we get to the place where <laughs> material things take a higher value than our spiritual lives do. Because think of the investment that you make into, into spiritual things and the investment that we make into worldly things. Consider how much you invest in worldly things and how much you invest in spiritual things in your life. Think about this. How upset do you get over worldly things more so than you do even spiritual things? Just consider for a moment what matters the most to us at times. And when you think about this, would you say of yourself that I am more in love with Jesus than I am in love with the prospect of this world? Well, many of us would probably say, well, yeah, I'm in love with Jesus. <laughs> but our love for Jesus, does it drive what we do? <laughs> and and I, I looked, and Demas is only spoken of three times in the Bible. Once here, where it says that he had forsaken Paul, and he abandoned him for this present world. And then over in Philemon, it says, There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. There was a time where Demas was a fellow laborer, but here Paul says he's now what? Abandoned me. He was a worker. He was one that was invested. He was a companion, a partner with Paul, and he abandoned it. He left it. In Colossians it says in 4.14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. He was... Excited about talking to folks who were members of churches, members and fellow laborers in Christ. There was a time, these are the three times he's spoken of. <laughs> once as a fellow laborer, once as one that was greeting those that were a part of everything, and the next time we greet him or see him or meet him, he's forsaken or abandoned the ministry. <laughs> he's walked away. Now, this is a man who was named to have uh, been with the disciples and referred to Paul uh, or Paul referred to him as a fellow laborer, this companion, this worker, this helper. And Paul indicated a reason for his departure from him is that he was in love with this present world. And we see a man who was living for God and now turning away because of this present world. So what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean that he turned from the things of God for this present world? Well, as we look at it, 
Forsaken is a very powerful statement used to describe his actions. And he deserted Paul. That word forsaken, I looked at it and I thought, well, just abandoned. No, he deserted him. He left it alone. He walked away completely. And believe me, that's what happens to us as a Christians at times. We'll start slowly kind of in that declension and then eventually just walk away. And then we are left out there and you're not having people pray for you as you would and you're not fellowshipping with people anymore. You don't have people walking side by side with you anymore. And you say, well, you know, I've got friends out there in the world and you know what, so does pastor. <laughs> but there's nothing more important to me than Christian men and women, especially members that I'm a part of this family, tell me that they're praying for me. It means so much more to me than just having a world say that they're praying for me because I'm not sure if they are. Now, I pray that you, when you tell me that, you're not lying to me, that you would be honest and really be praying. But I'm saying, here's a man named Demas that had deserted Paul. So when it says that he deserted him, he deserted him in companionship and walking with him. He deserted him in working in the ministry to reach people with the gospel. He had deserted him in the sense that he was no longer praying with Paul or for Paul. He had deserted all those people that he was walking with and dealing with. He was no longer praying for them or walking with them or helping with the ministry anymore. Listen, when it said, he deserted me, he left so that he could have the things of this world. <laughs> Walked away from it all. Forsaken, very powerful. We find in Matthew perhaps the answer to the turning away, and it comes by way of parable of Jesus Christ. And he was talking to the disciples, and as he's talking to the disciples, he has a parable that he shares with him about the parable of the sower. How many of you know that over in Matthew 13? And he comes to a certain place where Jesus talks about people who get saved and they leave for various reasons. Some leave because the seed was planted, but it didn't really sink in, <laughs> right? And the devil come and swipe that away. And then there's a, another and, and, and some situations arise in their life. And it comes to this person who got saved. And here's what he said. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. When Paul said, he abandoned me, he forsaken me, he deserted me, he said, Demas has now become unfruitful. He's not doing anything. He's not doing anything for God. <laughs> He's become unfruitful. And I believe whenever Jesus was using this par uh, parable, I think when Paul said that Demas had forsaken me for the love of this present world, Paul had in mind what uh, Jesus was speaking of right here in Matthew, that the things of this world choked out his love of Christ. <laughs> Just took it away from him. And so from what we can see, Demas was a fruitful Christian at one point in his life. However, Matthew teaches that he can become this person over time, allowing the things of this world to choke him out. Now I want you to turn to a verse with me. Let's go to the book of Luke for a moment. And I want you to see something in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And uh, let's go to uh, verse 57 of Luke chapter 9. Now, Luke uh, writing here, he, he starts talking about, uh, you know, uh, Christ is, is speaking and he's, he's uh, encouraging people to, to walk with him, to, to go with him. And so we kind of see the rejection here, if you will, of things. And so I want you to look at this. Look at verse 57 with me. He said, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Now listen. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and to bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit uh, for the kingdom of God. And I thought about looking back. And I don't know if this has happened to you as a Christian, but I shared with you in 1997, I remember looking back. Took my hand off the plow. 
And I started looking back, and when I started looking back, the only thing that I could see is there's opportunity to make money, there's opportunity to put money in the bank, there's opportunity to buy cars, there's opportunity to buy houses, there's opportunity to have certain kinds of clothes, there's opportunity to eat at the finest restaurants, there's opportunity for all those things. That was before me and behind me, and I turned around looking back thinking that's what was ahead of me. And it was really behind me, wasn't it? And no man looking back can do what? You get it? You, you see, you can't keep looking back and saying these things matter more. And when I say that, I'm saying it's this. It's Demas looking back into the world and saying that looks far better than what I'm dealing with right now. And so he goes back into the present world. And he goes for those things that matter the least. And so what we find here in Luke is People were making excuses to Jesus. It's a parable, but he's making excuses to Jesus about what they cannot do because of other things or other obligations or other things that are in their way that are hindering them to have a good relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I cannot go. I, can't, I need to go do these things first. And I think that's what happened to Demas. He just got to the place where the things of this present world became more important than his relationship with Jesus Christ. So your love for Christ or love of Christ should certainly be stronger than your love for this present world. And here, let me challenge you. Do not follow into the actions of Demas. <laughs> when it says that he abandoned Paul, that he had forsaken him, that he had deserted him, he had deserted everything about his relationship and his faith. And I'm challenging you, don't abandon your faith. Stay close to the Lord. Don't allow yourself to go backwards. And that comes by the power that you have through Christ Jesus. So this world... I do believe, can have a, pull, a strong pull upon us, and therefore we're warned to remain strong in our faith. I have a friend of mine who has left the ministry. He was a pastor in a local church, and he's explaining to me now how much money he's making and all the things that he now possesses. And, and he's telling me how wonderful it is out there in the world. And I asked him this one question. I said, how's your relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, we're looking for a church. I said, were you not a pastor? <laughs> and he goes, listen, brother, we're, we're looking for a church. We're, we're looking where God wants us to be. And I said, that's great. <laughs> I said, what have you done about it? I said, where have you been going to church lately? He goes, well, you know, there's times I've got to work. And I, and I mean, he was upset with me. And I just said to him, I said, where are you in your faith right now? Needless to say, the conversation didn't go well, but I'm just saying I was going to challenge him because I think I should. And I think as a pastor, I ought to challenge everybody in this church about your faith in Christ Jesus and what you're doing with this life in which God has given you. And we've not been saved so that we can make and possess riches. We have been saved that we might serve Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to make a living. Everybody needs to make a living, amen? Yep. But it doesn't have to drive us which is what it does oftentimes, so that we can possess things. Part of Jim's conversation with me this morning was he's looking around at stuff that he has that he doesn't want anymore. I said, I know that feeling. The dogs, the cats, no. <laughs> <laughs> but how many of you get to that place in your life? Amen? Amen? We were just talking about that, weren't we? Things we have now that we are like... <laughs> And that's what Demas went after. So when we look at this, this world can have a strong pull upon us, can it? So I want you to turn to 2 Peter with me real quick. If you're there in Timothy, you just go like you're going toward uh, Revelation there, and you'll come across Peter there. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. This, right here, is what happened to Demas. This is what happened to Demas. What I'm about to read to you, now listen to me. This is what happens to Christians that have even sat right in these pews. The very same thing I'm about to read to you. Now, when you look at this, I want you to kind of consider where are you right now? Not that we want to point a finger at anybody, just... Where am I? In the scope of what he's about to read, where am I in this? Now listen, here's what it says. Look with me, if you will. 
For if after they have escaped the pollution to the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. <laughs> God's saying to you, listen, as a saved person, you are almost better off not being saved. That's a sad thought, isn't it? Now that you know, and now that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you're making a conscious choice, Demas did, didn't he? Making a conscious choice, don't want to do it anymore. Don't need it anymore. Don't desire to be a part of it anymore. I, 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 I have, listen, I have stuff, God, and, and my stuff has to be paid for. And I have stuff, and, and my stuff is important. And the stuff that I do and the stuff that I need to do far outweighs anything in my relationship with you, Lord, because I've got stuff. Just ask me, Lord, I'll tell you what my stuff is. <laughs> and we allow that to drive us. And you say, preacher, you're just speaking from ignorance. No, I sat right where you're sitting. In 1997, I was ready to walk away from God. I was ready to walk away for the love of this present world. <laughs> Because I could look back and I could say, you know what? It was far better doing this than it is to do this. Far more lucrative, far more uh, fulfilling, far more of all these things than it is to go back. Hey, you know what? This... <laughs> it's easier to walk away from God than it is to maintain my relationship with Him. But do you know that is a lie from the pits of hell? <laughs> Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll do what? He'll draw nigh unto you. He said, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify ye hearts, ye double-minded. <laughs> Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Listen, he giveth more grace, he says in verse 6, unto the humble. <laughs> and what wants us to go back, what Demas wanted to go back for, I think it's pride. Pride takes us backwards. <laughs> Pride takes us back to the, you know, we look down the block and we see the guy with the new car and the new house or the five-bedroom home and we see people with stuff and we look around at those things and think to ourselves and you say, well, I'm up in years now, preacher. I don't want that either. No, but I'm going to protect my 401K. I'm going to protect my retirement. <laughs> I'm going to protect what I possess because that's important to me. Now listen, I'm 54. <laughs> Retirement's approaching me quicker than I want it to. And the thing of it is, is that what is it that's more important to me, my retirement or what's going to last for eternity? Because retirement's only going to last for a period of time, amen? <laughs> but my eternity. <laughs> now Matthew shared with us the reason we may give up or give up, give in or give up, and it's the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becometh unfruitful. So seeing this truth, we can turn to Paul's remarks about Demas and that he had abandoned Paul because of his love for this present world. He departed over into Thessalonica. And for a Christian to become unfruitful, the word used here, Christ said, you become unproductive. What are you doing for God? How productive are you for the Lord? So you see, we like to have productive days. How many of you like a productive day? Just say amen, right? Amen. We like to be productive, don't we? I like when I get to the end of the day and I go, Whew, that was good. <laughs> I got to the end of the day and man, I got all this stuff done. Man, it feels productive. And it feels good, doesn't it? And yet, Jesus said what happens to us when he uses the term unfruitful here, when he says we allow the pollutions of the world uh, to pull us back in, when we're going backwards, when we're missing out on that righteousness of God and missing out on all those things that God has presented before us and laid before us and we just abandon those things, he said we become unfruitful. We, we, we get to the place where we're unproductive and even more convicting is that he refers to you as generally, listen to this, useless. That's harsh, isn't it? Now, I'm not making this stuff up. You can go read it for yourself. <laughs> You go look up the words that God's using, that Jesus Christ is using, and he said, you just generally become useless to me. You're not doing anything for the Lord. 
So Paul did not point out the dangers of this departure, but Peter indicated by his words what it was. And going backwards or back into the world for the Christian, according to Peter, is worse than if they had not known the truth. (laughs) He's saying, you know what's right and you're abandoning it. (laughs) You know what truth is and you're deciding to walk away from it. He's saying, well, at least I'm not going to hell. That's true. But God's saying, what fruit is there in your life as a Christian now? Well, God, have you looked at my bank account lately? God, have you looked at the car I drive now? Father, have you seen that new couch and that new floor? And God, have you seen what I have done as of late? Have you seen my vehicles, Lord? Now, Joel Osteen will preach that for you, okay? He'll tell you that if you're really saved and a true Christian, you'll be wealthy. That's not a lie. That's the truth. He's factually said that from his pulpit. And anybody that's poor is not walking with God. Now, I want to tell you something. You can listen to that stuff if you want to. But I serve Jesus Christ. Amen? And Demas wanted to serve this present world. And I'm telling you, as a Christian, monetary gain is nothing without Christ. (laughs) And what we ought to do with what we do have is not how much can I possess, but what can I do with what I have for the Lord? (laughs) What is it that I possess and I can do for the Lord? Now, this is what Paul tells us of the actions of Demas. It was more than just a day off. He wasn't on furlough. (laughs) He left. And how many Christians decide they're going to go on furlough and never return? (laughs) Now I want to ask you a question. If we have missionaries come off the field and they say they're going on furlough and we're still supporting them financially and they say, yeah, we decided not to go back, but we want you to keep sending us a check. How many votes yes for that? Just keep sending them a check even though they've gone on furlough and never gone back now. Do we keep sending them a check? Why not? Well, they're not doing anything for God anymore. (laughs) That's okay. Let's just keep sending them a check. Let's all say amen to that, right? Just keep sending them a check. They're not doing anything, preacher. That's okay. (laughs) Let's just keep sending them a check. Think about that for a minute. You say, preacher, that's dumb. (laughs) How many of you have a job in here? Just raise your hand if you got a job. (laughs) Amen? So now don't show up for work, but you tell your boss you want your check at the end of the week. (laughs) And he says, you are useless. You're not doing anything. That's all right. I'm still employed there. Give me a check. (laughs) How many of you say, that is just nuts, preacher. Nobody would do that. So when God looks down to our lives and sees us as unproductive, unfruitful, generally useless, And then we say, God, you haven't done anything for me. He said, where you been? Haven't seen you in a year. Haven't heard from you in two years. You know, when God came down to the garden and Adam had sinned, do you know what his words were to Adam? Adam? Where art thou? How many times is God looking down to your life and saying, where are you? Where you at? You see, you say, preacher, I can't believe you're preaching such a convicting message. It just hurts you. It's so mean. No, I'm not. God's Word's telling you this stuff. Amen. And I think in our nation, we need shaking up of some churches lately. <laughs> We need to be shaken up a little bit about what we're doing for God. We need to be shaken up a little bit about our faith in Christ. And we can fall into a trap thinking that we can move away from God, His Word, His church, His fellowship, and and other believers, and we'll be fine, and then it's not. (laughs) But we think it'll be okay. Yet, it creates opportunity for Satan. If you were to just go back, if you're there in 2 Peter, just jump back over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5.
so now I decide that I'm going to live for this present world. And, and the Bible says, be sober. That means be in your right mind. Be vigilant. Stay after this thing. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Did he say, resist him by making more money? Resist him by adding to your possessions? Resisting him by doing something for yourself? Did he say, resist him by just adding to your stature or to your uh, societal uh, uh, whims? Did he say, do any of that? No, he said, whom resist steadfast in the what? It's faith that helps us overcome, isn't it? In our times of need, it's not about what the world gives me or the government gives me or what someone can give me. It is about my faith. (laughs) And Demas loved this present world. You know, you'll discover that your thoughts will lean toward or back to the philosophies of men and your habits will grow worse again and even to the place of an unsaved individual when you walk away from God. You'll start thinking like the world again. You'll even agree with them that, yeah, there's something wrong with this book. <laughs> there's something wrong with my Jesus, and there's something wrong. Somebody asked me the question the other day, and they said, because I'm saved, do I need to go to church? I said, yes. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you need to go to church. Well, why do I have to go to church? Well, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself for it. Well, I don't need to go to some building to worship God. No, but you do need to be around fellow believers. Amen. We need to assemble ourselves together. Listen, I can show you over and 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 over again in the scriptures. Well, can I worship God on my own? You can try. <laughs> but we need each other. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is we don't until we do. <laughs> And then you find out, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need them. I need to be around them. To be able to ward off the attack, you must have faith, and you've got to make faith-based decisions. And I'll tell you this, if you're not in the house of God, and you're not around God's people, and you're not in the Word of God, and you are not praying, and you're not seeking God, there's no way you're making faith-based decisions. And you may even say, I made this decision and I didn't have any of that, and it was a good decision. Apart from God, it was not. (laughs) And what I'm sharing with you is, is you need faith-based decisions. Not just factual decisions, but faith-based decisions. And not just feeling decisions, it's faith-based decisions. (laughs) Not just what my emotions are telling me to do, but what does God's Word teach me that I should do? And I'm challenging you to really think about this. And to be able to ward off the attack, you must make faith-based decisions. And without the Word of God, without the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life, you'll lean to your own understanding. What does the Bible teach us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? And you look at that, and it tells us, don't lean on what you know, but lean on God. Lean on Christ for decisions that you make. And you go back and you see this, and how many decisions do we make in our lives apart from Jesus Christ, apart from God, apart from any truth, apart from any godly counsel, apart from any wisdom from people who are walking with God, apart from mature Christians, apart from anything that God might put in your path to help you make wise decisions, and we abandon it, just like Demas did, and we let it go. James 1, 5 through 8, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. And he says this, but let him ask in faith. <laughs> and we may say, well, I asked God for wisdom, and he didn't give me any. Did you ask in faith? But let him ask in faith. Isn't that what the Bible says? Not just ask, but ask in what? Faith. Faith. I'm asking God by faith to help me with this. And sometimes what we're doing is 
We're just asking God to bless decisions we've already made, even in our mind. Maybe we haven't fulfilled it yet, but we're just saying, God, I'm going to do this. Please bless it. And we've never asked him. And we haven't asked in faith. So when Demas abandoned him and walked away and rejected those things of God, and was not around God's people, and fell in love with this present world again. That happens because no longer faith. How I feel, what I think, what I know, and we're not to lean to our own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall what? Direct thy path. Now I challenge you with this. <laughs> He said, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now listen, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable, not in some, but in all his ways. And you say, I'm not being double-minded. Are you making faith-based decisions? Or are you in love with this present world? Does the things of this world matter to you more than your relationship with Jesus Christ? So the actions of Demas and his love for this present world caused him to respond just as we find here in James, and then your love for Christ should certainly change that thinking. <laughs> and the last thought is this. How do we then avoid all this, preacher? This world can have a strong pull on us, folks. It can pull us in. It can pull any one of you in right now. You can walk out of here and have ignored everything that God said this morning. <laughs> or you can start applying it to your life and say, how do I implement this? Do you know what we fear? If I implement the things that you're saying this morning, my life might change. <laughs> my life might change. I might have to start doing something or I might have to give up something or I might have to change what I want to do. I might, I might actually have to rethink my life a little bit. And I am not in the mood for that. <laughs> I would rather not because then it causes me to have to really make decisions based upon what God's Word says, what Jesus Christ is leading me to do, and what God's life is for me rather than my life and telling God what I want to do. <laughs> it's different. And I look, how do we avoid this Love for this world. I have one set of verses I want to read to you, and I'll finish with this. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. If everybody still loves their pastor, say amen. amen. <laughs> Some of you did not amen, and I understand. <laughs> John chapter 2, verse 15. He said, love not the world. You ready now? Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Whoa. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's heavy. <laughs> and why did Demas abandon Paul? Why did he abandon his faith, if you will? For the love of this present what? World. And what did God say? You abandon me for that, and the love of the Father is not in you. Man, that is heavy. And then he goes on, he said, For all that is in the world, you ready? The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. world. All the stuff I want, all the stuff I see, all the things that I want, all the things that I desire, everything that I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, just go on Amazon. They got everything I want. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is he's saying, that's not of the Father, that's of the world, isn't it? And then look at verse 17. Here's what he wants to challenge you with. And the world does something. Look at verse 17 with me. You can read it with me. You are adults. And the world does what? Passeth away. And all the striving and struggling and notoriety and everything 
gone. Well, they made a statue of so-and-so. They're getting ready to tear down all those statues. John gives us the details here, doesn't he? We're on the whole not to love the world. This is not about people. When you do further study, you understand it's not about people. It is about the world and its philosophies, isn't it? And when you look at this and he says, the, how do you avoid this? Well, love not the world. Don't fall in love with the world again. What causes us to fall in love with the world? The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Amen? Look at what it says. He said right here, he said the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. What makes us fall back in love with the world? Pride. Lust, the flesh. Are you with me? Pride. Did you see those three things? So what is it that you think Demas should have avoided in his life? Probably the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, right? Maybe, maybe the lust of the flesh. Maybe those things, I should have let go of those. You see, when I get saved, I have a choice to let go of those or I choose to stick with those things. Our Savior loved the world and He died. Not the idea that He was in love with the world. He was in love with the people. And what He rejects is a worldly philosophy, not the people of this world. And we're not rejecting the people because we live for Christ. And somehow or another, we have convinced ourselves as Christians that I have to live the way the world lives so that I can reach the world. And that is a lie. Jesus invited the public and sinners to come in, not so that he could become one of them, but that he could win them to Christ. That's why he did it. Well, I have to behave like they do, and I have to do the things that they do. Jesus did none of that. He was trying to win them to himself, wasn't he? Now, I may have to go out among them to win them and to share the gospel with them and, and to try to help them. And it's wicked and it's ungodly and it's smelly and it stinks and it's heavy and it's hard and people's lives are a mess and they are in uh, just downgraded relationships and, and they have worldly philosophies and they're a bunch of heathens and all of those things. But listen, we don't have to become them to reach them. <laughs> We have to do just the opposite. We have to show them there's a better life, even now. <laughs> Notice, neither the things, this is about people, but, you know, you say, <laughs> when Jesus is speaking here, he said, neither the things, it's about possessions. It's about things I possess. <laughs> things that I hold dear to myself, those things that I own. <laughs> And we're given a clear and commanding statement in verse 15. And he says, the love of the Father is not in him. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If I am so in love with this world, where is the love of the Father in my life? Where is it? And then we see the contrast between Demas' actions and what John tells us right here in verse 16. He said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And Demas loved this present world. <laughs> he went back into it. Now, what's the warning to us? Well, it's not of the Father, and here's the thing. Here's what bothers us, I think, even as believers. In Matthew chapter 17, I won't have you turn there. You can go look this up on your own, but you can write the passage down. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, here's what bothers us. Here's what's bothering us. Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be, with, uh, there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few be there that find it. <laughs> you see, a life of Christianity is a narrow path, isn't it? The way to destruction is a what? Well, I know that's, that's just your opinion, Pastor. No, I'm telling you what the Bible says. This is no private interpretation. You don't get to have yours and I get to have mine. It either says it or it doesn't. Amen. And the Bible clearly says that straight is the gate and narrow is the way, right? But we want to live in a broad way. Every time I go to a city or town, I look up their broad street or broad way. And every time I go to Broad Street and every time I go to Broadway and you drive down any of those streets, I challenge you go right down to Columbus and look at it. My brother said, I hate going over to Broad Street. 
I said, why? He said, because that's where all the drugs are. And that is where all the things that are taking place that shouldn't be taking place. All the prostitutes are walking the streets down there. All the immorality and the sickness of this world is on Broad Street. <laughs> I've yet to go to a city where it says straight. <laughs> and see all that stuff. But straight is the gate, narrow is the way. You see, we don't like that. See, what that does is you say, I just feel so restricted as a Christian man. It's just too heavy. I can't handle it. I want to be able to do this and do this because it's fun. I was dealing with an individual about a year ago. I said, what is the reason that you're doing what you're doing? And they looked right at me and said, it's fun. Sin is fun for a season, but it comes at a cost. <laughs> and we believe in our hearts that we need to go the broad way. This is speaking particularly to those of salvation, but it also pertains to life decisions. And here's for us, Galatians 5, 16 and 17, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. <laughs> walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now wait a minute. Right here it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And I go to Galatians and he said, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the what? If you're walking with God, you can't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he told us, the things of the flesh are not of God and the love of God is not in you if you're walking in the flesh. And yet we see in the scriptures here, he said, let me tell you how to avoid that. He says, that's how you do it. And he says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one to the other. Now listen to this, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You can't do the things that you want to do. And that, my friends, is why so many people are not sitting in these church pews this morning. Because they cannot do what they want. They want to do their own thing, their own way, and they want to have a designed God. And they want to design him in his fashion, in their fashion, so that he becomes what they want him to be, rather than us becoming what we ought to be for him. Amen. And that's the problem we have today. We want a designer God. We want to have a God that we turn him into what we want him to be. Now the other way, it takes spiritual discipline. It takes the Holy Spirit working in my life. It takes dedication. It takes a desire to want to do right even in the midst of wrong. <laughs> it takes the power of God in my life to be able to walk with God and do those things that are most needful. It, it, it takes that as a believer. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Word of God. It takes prayer. It's staying close in fellowship with other believers. It takes something of my time. And man, that is too narrow. It's much easier to go down the broad street. See, there's less obstacles in my way. I'd rather go down Broad Street. The end result of this passion for the present world we find in verse 17. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof, so that would be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the it's all going to pass away. It's all going to be gone. And then you challenge yourself. But he that doeth the will of God abideth how long? It's not going to pass away. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Matthew 13, 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. It's different, isn't it? Now listen, what he said about this person is the one that received it, <laughs> hears it, understands it, puts it into practice, bears fruit. They begin to bear fruit. And those that don't are unfruitful. Now, this is convicting. It's a convicting message. I know I wrote it. <laughs> I sat down and put these words on paper and 
I was reading the Bible and man, I was heavily convicted. And I just think about things I think sometimes and I'm like, Lord, get that rid of that thought. Anybody there with me? I'm the only guy in the room that's going to tell the truth today, right? <laughs> we have thoughts and you're like, ah, don't get rid of that thought. Right? Don't you wish you just, you know, you can't have that thing and you just push it in this side and just goes, <laughs> comes out the other side, right? Ah, that was worth a whole lot, right? <laughs> and yet I want to challenge you with this. 2 Corinthians 13.5. You know, this convicting message should cause us to access our faith and to assess our faith a little bit too. And, and it should bring us to a place, you know, every time we hold communion here, how many of you understand what communion is about? You know, we hold communion here. And I don't know if we grasp all the time why we're even doing it. And, and, and the idea is, it's a time of examination. <laughs> let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. You know why some people don't want to? Because they don't want to do that examination. And so we depart. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that because then that means I have to assess what I'm doing with my faith. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 13.5. I'm just telling you what the Bible says now. Examine yourself. Examine yourselves. Amen. He said examine yourselves. Now listen, what does he say examine ourselves for? <laughs> examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Is this a faith-based decision or a personal decision? <laughs> a, a binding decision with me and me. Or is it with you and God? He said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. And then he said, prove your own selves. He said, test it. Test it out. Test yourselves. Know ye not your own selves. Now listen to me. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And you go read Romans, and a reprobate is not a good person. Amen. And all you got to do is read from verse 18 through 32 in Romans chapter 1. You ought to write that down and go read it. Now, he said, examine yourselves. He's talking to a church. He's talking to the church at Corinth. And he said, examine yourselves. He said, I want you to know whether what you're doing is in the faith or not. <laughs> and then he said, I want you to prove yourself. I want you to test yourself. And you say, with what? And how do we do that? By the word of God. Not what somebody said about it. Not what somebody else is doing about it. But what are you going to do about it? <laughs> what are you going to do about Jesus? What are you going to do about your relationship with him? You see, I can't live my life in Christ for Bill Sloan. <laughs> Bill Sloan has to live his own life in Christ. Are you with me? I can't do anything but pray with him and for him. And I can assist him if he wants me to help him with something. I'll certainly do it. But his faith in Christ is dependent upon his relationship with Christ. I can't do anything about it. He has to choose what he's going to do. And the same with everyone seated in here today. Every one of us. Your love for Christ is like Demas. Are you ready to go back into this present world? <laughs> or are you in love with Jesus today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's quietly stand to our feet.